Hello and welcome to the First Issue Club Podcast. We are your comic book reading club where each and every week we read number one comics and we attempt to lead you through the muddy and sometimes murky water that is the comic book landscape. (laughs) That's the intro. This is Budget King. Who else do we have in the club today? Me, Greg. And one quick thing. That is the best you have ever done the intro that was ever. I feel like we need to acknowledge that. <laughs> he even knew it was the intro. <laughs> he identified it afterwards. I said, yeah, that's the intro. Were you studying beforehand? <laughs> uh, I got. I kind of just forgot what I was saying and then just went into autopilot. Wow. you. <laughs> that was amazing. I'll just go into autopilot more. People like bland Budget King, I think, like vanilla. Bush. That wasn't even bland. That was just... <laughs> uh, we got I'm Mike D. I'm Caitlin. Whoa. The full club is back, which is great. Correct. It's wonderful. Yes. We're uh we're recording to get today. It's uh late July, in case you didn't know. It's hot outside. And inside here we've got comic book news. You guys wanna hear about it? Go for it. Okay. You may or may not have known that Comic Con S D C C happened this weekend. Were you guys aware? I was. What was different about it this year? <laughs> it was shit because it was virtual. It was nobody attending in person. Yep, and they had all their panels online. Yes. You know what I was wondering? There was a bunch of companies that were doing panels. Were they piggybacking on it just being that weekend? Or were they like members of San Diego Comic-Con who otherwise would have had booths and panels and things, right? I wonder if it's like one of those free-for-all, the height of capitalism, where like South by Southwest does this, where it's just as like, if you want to do anything music-related, just come to Austin and fucking go for it. Yeah. They don't have to put any more money into it. It's just stuff that's happening and fueling the weekend. Well, I also think that South by has just kind of been like, we can't control it. It's too big. And (laughs) it's like, if the brand gets bigger, we'll try to get bigger. Yeah. Right. But it, I, my opinion on this whole thing is that as a person who's part of my job is to like do live events, the main people pushing for events are people whose job it is for events. I'm not sure that the fans want this. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've read a couple articles where the fans just didn't even show up. <laughs> I think like they thought they were going to show up. Yeah, it did not seem like it. The, the thing that got the most traffic that I saw of anything, which it should have, was the Keanu Reeves interview. Was was it about Bill and Ted? Or yeah, just it was, a... yeah, it was mostly Bill and Ted. But I think he's filming <laughs> Matrix Four now, right? So yes. it was like on on location of wherever he is in Europe. Yeah, it was essentially about... the same character, right? Um, but it came across that he, you know, obviously is as charming as everybody says that he is. So that was like all over Twitter. I can see it because, like, when we had to pivot when COVID first started and we had to record remotely more often, we thought hey, this is going to be great. We're going to record with no problems. We're going to record all the time. And I think that's what the promoters of San Diego Comic-Con thought. They're just like, hey, we can get more guests now because all you got to do is give them a mic and a camera and then they can just record. And then they soon find out it's fucking terrible. Okay, so I I love that you're saying this. The local DNC uh, called me today and said, we heard you put on a great event um, for your work. Would you come volunteer and do our event for us? And oh, I, and I was like, 
uh, no, you'll pay me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this is not like, what the fuck? It's this is not, a big gig. It's not just magic. And I think that's what people think is like, oh, don't, don't worry. We have the internet. So we'll get people, in, you know, talking and we'll just show shit. And it's like, no, like this is actually yeah, a lot of work. It takes people's time and stuff like that. You got to promote it. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. But anyway, I think that we're the medium, whereas podcasting has like come to be like there's, a, there's something for everybody and everybody wants to use it. Mm -hmm. Digital events, I don't feel like have arrived to be useful to people yet. No, you miss the magic of actually going to a con. Yes. Physically. Well, and you have the option of doing so many other things. <laughs> right. Like even stuff I sign up for, like via Eventbrite and stuff, the time comes and the reminder goes off and I'm like, mm, but I'm watching X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need to do this. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. But there was some news that, that happened. The Eisners were announced. We had talked about that. I don't know how newsworthy it is, but best writer was uh, the fans. <laughs> <laughs> As in every year, the, the fans, fans swept the Eisners once the again. Fans, yeah, I forgot that was a cool joke. Uh, <laughs> you know who could care less about the Eisners? Uh, the fans. <laughs> That's true. It's like only creators and industry people that care. The actual like fans don't care like i think we care more than people listening to this podcast care what i might see something on there and be like oh i missed that i gotta check it out yeah now. use it as like a reference for the year a little right. bit yeah well okay so the mariko tamaki one best writer yeah okay which we like her she wrote breaking glass which is a, a cool ya book that like was sold out forever you couldn't find it anywhere yes um, and laura dean keeps breaking up with me i just read this past weekend it was phenomenal little bird one which was kind of no surprise, really. It was awesome, though. Yep. Best short form yeah. story or something like that. And then Invisible Kingdom, which we weren't so hot on, but the artwork is amazing. So Yeah, I'm thinking maybe I should try to find that in trade again and give it a, another chance. Give if, it a give it a go. If the Eisners deem it worthy. Does does the phrase give it a go mean like you have sex with it? No, it's like you give it a chance, give it a shot. Okay, but, but, but like... It in, can be used for sex. In other... To, in reference to... In it. other cultures. No. I'm gonna give it a go. I don't think so. Okay, good. I just want to make you, sure you, you want to make just, sure you're not I saying anything sexual. You just got the stamp of approval from a guy with one culture, though, so I just want <laughs> to make sure you know. But I appropriate not an official. But you guys watch. You guys watch a lot of British things. <laughs> yes, so, that's true. So Doctor Who, they're not. They're not using "give it a go" in a weird way. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. I've actually never heard them say that in Doctor Who. Ever. Okay. Good. Um, in other news, very localized to uh, First Issue Club, Greg went, had a go with Comicsgate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I totally forgot this happened. This is news. Yeah. This this was crazy. So uh, we, uh, as a podcast, um, have poked the bear occasionally <laughs> of Comicsgate, but, but Greg went hardcore and, and they retaliated yeah they came back hard they uh one thing you need to know about me people on twitter <laughs> if you respond to anything that i say i will respond back to you multiple multiple times against uh my better judgment so yeah comics gate came after me because i said that they are a part of the dark side and a hate group and they really didn't have anything to back up the claims that they weren't they just made fun of me and my uh, body in that I had too much estrogen, which I guess is a bad thing in their minds. They kept on saying that you eat soy. Did they know that you're a vegetarian? No, but a, a soy <laughs> boy is a insult. Okay, okay. Yeah. They tried oh, to... I was like, because I they're would... not a hate group. They're not a hate group. 
Right. So, so they uh, can yeah. mercilessly attack someone on a personal level for their eating right. habits. But it's, okay. Because they're not. How like ironic that. that it's like I I was telling my wife about this and I was like they went hard on they even found out that he was vegetarian and started calling him <laughs> soy boy, but it's just like you just fit their brand. They just knew you. No, no, soy boy is what they call anyone, even if you're not a vegetarian. Right, but they assume that you That's like. That's true. Yeah. Yes, so you. So yeah. So my new tattoo is soy boy right across my <laughs> stomach. But if if you ever want a caricature done of yourself, I was gonna say. If you ever want your picture drawn for free, they also did not know that you would love that. They do it for you. The That's pi- how they insult you. The pictures were nice. Yeah, I didn't see. They were very well done. Anything bad about them? <laughs> there was not like they. I didn't understand what the insult was. One of them was just like a sketch on a like a notepad that was like, you had glasses and a beard. Is it the glasses? Is that what they're insulting you? The, no, they drew my like avatar. They're just like, they're like, oh, shut up, idiot. Here's a picture of you. And you're just like, thank, thank you? you. That's really nice. Okay. They're also like, the this is the weirdest like troll thing I've ever seen. Yep. One of the guys claimed that like, oh, he's not bad. He's just trying to be a good dad. By being into Comics Gate. Did you guys see this comment? The guy said, I'm into Comics Gate because I'm a father who wants to protect his son from predators like you, and so me and my son can become closer. And I was like, Predators. Like me, I'm so apparently. So because they're not a hate group. How are you being a predator? I'm not. So wait, no, is that. What was he saying, though? What, did he say anything else, or that, that was just. That it? was it. He made I, a wild. Claim yes. based and, on nothing. And then I asked him if he taught his son how to throw the perfect spiral, and he didn't <laughs> respond. <laughs> so, yeah. Comicsgate is just laughable, and they're buffoons. And they. Maybe he brings his son closer together by, you know, just throwing hate at people on the. Oh, internet. and they kept on they flashing how that. much money Cyberfrog made. Which doesn't make sense. They didn't back away from the fact that I called them a hate group. They just said, well, yeah, well, how, how can we make him made this much money? And it's just like. Just because you're a hate group doesn't mean you can't make money or that you're not idiots and buy stupid shit just like everyone else. Comicsgate people enjoy The Punisher. Is that the other, like, the other They I don't think they even like mainstream comics. They just like comics that are made by Comicsgate people. (laughs) Really? Which is sad. So it it just veered off the course of keep my comics the same the way they've always been to just keep my content by people who agree with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so tunnel vision like how do you even yeah i, I mean you could just read 70s x-men over and over and over again but make sure you skip the parts <laughs> that are about <laughs> justice right and honor diversity and diversity <laughs> and inclusion inclusion um you know maybe you can't read old x-men still i can't read anything it except it, for Cyberfrog. it must be so sad to be so afraid of the world that you think that paper that has people that aren't the same skin color of you is going to ruin your life. (laughs) Honestly, it must be exhausting. When you think about how much that meant to you and these characters meant to you as a kid, and then you think about all the black and brown children that grew up alongside you and did not have that, and now someone's giving that to them. Like, shame on you for wanting that for yourself and not yeah, other people. I'm right. to take it away because you still have that. No one took it away from you. Right. It would be the equivalent of if they were like, cake, birthday cake, actually tastes better if it's like coffee, only coffee. So 
fucking three-year-old kids you get you get straight coffee flavored cake because it's better right it would be like if <laughs> one to if, one it would be like if people got really if there was a uh, like a band-aid gate now that they're making band-aids in different colors if people were like absolutely not i needed to only represent my skin and the fact that you can now have band-aids that match your skin color is outrageous i'm sure that exists the destruction of the nuclear family begins now <laughs> damn you band-aid do you guys know that uh the argument of the slippery slope is a logical fallacy have you heard this before so when people that's like a slippery slope argument so people say like oh it starts with band-aids yeah okay but it's a slip starbucks coffee cups (laughs) yeah but slippery slope and then all of a sudden nazi nazi internment camps right but like really only conservative assholes use the slippery slope method because they just need things to get angry at so is it anything like the prop well, they up can't, they, thing? Strawman. I think they see the Strawman, needle, yeah. needle moving, and they're they're worried that it's going to eventually get to a place where they can no longer control everything. Right. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of news. <laughs> it was a lot of news. Let's get into comic books. Oh, we didn't even say what the fuck we're covering this week. What are we covering? We're covering two image books. Image doesn't pay us. Scout doesn't pay us. Image week. <laughs> oh yeah, image. We've had plenty of these. <laughs> this ain't week. Scout week three. <laughs> it's image week. Uh, we have Chew, uh, and we have Bliss by Sean Lewis. Let's get this podcast. Started, 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 started. And now we have... Chew by John Lehman and Dan Boltwood, who is not Rob Gilroy, who used to actually be the Chew artist, if you guys didn't know that. So new artist, Chew is back, not spelled the same, C-H-U, C-H-E-W, famous image book. Caitlin, what happened in Chew this week? What happened in Chew, the first course, part one, is family dinners get weird when a cop brother and his criminal sister share different flavors of a culinary superpower. While Tony gets psychic impressions from what he eats, Saffron learns secrets from who she eats with. For those of you that don't know, Chew is one of the longest-running series on Image, or I mean, of recent times, not longest ever running, but most celebrated series on Image. Longer than Spawn? Not longer, sorry. Most celebrated. Would you think on Image? No. No. No way. <laughs> Most celebrated Ever heard in of the Walking Dead in the Budget King household. There we go. Yes. Uh, well, Most I only personally say personally celebrated. Thank you. Well, let's break this down. Saga, Spawn. Oh yeah. Chew. Uh, no. <laughs> fuck. Oh, you did say Chew. Yeah. Oh, top sorry. three. Okay, Invincible. There we go. Invincible. Um, Walking Dead. We get top ten at least. I would say top five, honestly. Okay, that's top then. So I'm not that wrong. <laughs> you were wrong, but <laughs> you're off by four. Anyway, this didn't get a lot of promotion. And I heard that, like, for some reason, the sendouts were weird. Uh, My like shop they, didn't get it. Yeah. What? So, so the, the, they basically didn't print enough. And so it sold out. It's already, like, back to print. And basically, the articles I read is, like, yo, true fans came out in droves for this to just check it out because it had no hype. So the only people really like scurrying for this is just Chew fans. And I think that's my critique on this book is like 
it's just, hey, Chu never left. And like, we're back with Chu again is basically what this comic is. It d- does not really do a lot of service for non-Chu people, in my opinion. So, Budget King, you're our resident Chu head. You, you read the whole series. Mm-hmm. You actually have a Kickstarter game here on the table <laughs> that we took a picture of to show online. Still sealed. Yes. Yeah. Never the been cards played. Haven't even been played with. <laughs> of no value. <laughs> In the original series, Chu, C H E W, is his sister even talked about? Okay, I don't remember her. He does have another sister. Who is in this book, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Briefly. Who passes away. Okay, so we get a different sister. So maybe he has <laughs> oh, another sister. Yeah, okay. Um, and he has a daughter, too. I do not remember Saffron. Now, there's a lot of characters. It goes crazy. There's a lot of space stuff that happens. So as your resident Chew head, I could be missing something here. He's not having family dinners in Chew? He has lots of family dinners. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, she could have been. And, and knowing John Lehman, I bet that she was. Like, he's he's good about that, like, weird world building and stuff. So, But she wasn't somebody that was, like, prominent. They certainly set this issue up like a reveal, like, oh, man, she's at the other guy's house. That's he's true. He's a cop. She's a thief. That's true. Which would make you believe that, like, he wasn't, she wasn't a really existing character right. that, but much before. And okay. even if you did know to a new reader, that's kind of like a big fun reveal. Yeah. So did you guys, have you guys read the first issue of Chew? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because this is like, it's a ripoff of that. This mm-hmm. The f- cover is an homage to it. The way that they they do the reveal of the power is the same. So I guess like as a non-Chew reader, did you find that kind of stuff helpful? Like how how easy was this to access for you? I don't know. I think I bridged the gap because I know so much about it, but I haven't read it. So I don't know. I I kind of took it with a grain of salt because I knew Tony's deal going into it. The first time I read Chew, I was like, I'm not going to like this because it just seemed like crime shit that I'm like, that's not really my thing. And then I was like, whoa, this is insanely like written and it's so captivating, but also doesn't take itself seriously. Did, did, that, did that have this element for you in it or was it just like, eh? It's tough for me to settle into certain things where like, there's characters named after pasta, like <laughs> like the cr- top crime syndicate guy was like Bucatini mm-hmm. was like his last name. And like there were so many little plays to food that it seemed her name is Saffron. Yeah, right. It, it seems kind of corny, but I think that's probably a sort of thing that gains a lot of charm the longer you stick with it. And especially if you were already a fan of this, you got to just like. Let that stuff probably just washes right over you, right? Right. I did find a couple of things really charming. I think part of it for me, too, that didn't take it as seriously or it didn't maybe have as a profound an effect are the, the people look kind of cartoonish. They look like ghouly. Some of the characters were like toad-looking kind of things. Like So it, I didn't really take that as seriously, but there were a couple of really charming <laughs> moments. I don't know if this is the right word. But the guy who, like, licks blood to figure out what happened calls his partner gross for describing what the vomit looks like. Like, you're tasting the blood of a crime scene, (laughs) and you call your partner gross for being like, yeah, I can see some of that in there. I thought that was funny. I also thought the dynamic between Saffron and her boyfriend was interesting. Oh, yeah, kind of weird. He seems like a not great dude, but she seems okay with it. I'm really glad you mentioned the artwork, because one of the things of regular Chew is that Rob Gilroy's artwork. All of the people, they're like all short and stout. 
they have like really tiny legs and then they're like bigger big heads but it's like really made chew kind of what it was so the going out and trying to find another artist to kind of do zany kind of stuff must have been a hard, i think they kind of nailed it i didn't think it was too much of a departure but also a nice ad yeah my one critique and maybe you guys noticed this there was a lot of smoking there was so much smoking did you notice like that's it was weird it was all oral fixation either they were slurping things burping things puking things eating things or smoking things right and like and tony's partner which i never remember smoking was smoking when he's introduced and then on the cover she's smoking and lights her cigarette by shooting a gun into it there's a lot of cigarettes yeah <laughs> are you offended by that if that's What's your beef the deal? Then, yeah it Does just it... felt weird it felt like uh, uh am i in a truth ad product <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'm trying to be a good dad. And <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Come on now. Come on. Let me just draw just... a picture of you real quick. Show you how mad I really am. <laughs> um, so there was that, I guess. But otherwise, I, I mean, it was fun. I don't know. I honestly don't know if I was not a Chew fan, if I would, if this would have sucked me in, if I would have cared. It reads just like a high story with a bunch of people throwing up and you thinking that maybe that's connected. <laughs> so it's like Crank Anchors. That's it. with, yeah, with like a heist story. I wish they would have gone right into the heist. The heist was cool when it went wrong. That was like super interesting. A character that you'd been introduced to gets popped immediately and that's always surprising. They spend the time to tell you who somebody is and now they're dead. Yes. The build up to it where they're all in a room like eating and you're getting like force fed some exposition like that part was confusing to me and i wasn't totally sure what was going on um, yeah because they did tony's totally separately where he can see what's happening in the blood and that's a more right organic way of getting that info and that's the other thing that like chu did early on is it's like it was just tony that could do have these powers and then like you start to learn more about the universe and there's all these like weird food powers this hits you with like lots of food powers straight up all at once right? and it was like no slow reveal mm. or whatever there's even like a famous vampire that's stealing all of the food powers through chew and it's like well could have just gone to this issue and just got them all there i guess i think there's enough going for it with understanding that she's gonna have to navigate some weird stuff in her family now try to keep herself from getting caught and then whatever's going on with the boyfriend. I thought there was enough there that I would yeah. probably keep reading, even knowing nothing about it. Shout out to Elite Comics in Kansas City, because I was there sad boying, like soy boy, and said, oh, man, I didn't get here early enough. And he was like, hang on. And he went and like checked, and he's like, oh, actually, I had an extra issue set aside for me to read that I'll sell to you if you want, which is really nice. Turns out he had 25 of those behind the counter. <laughs> That's what we call creating a customer experience. Mike, did did you get one? (laughs) No, uh uh-uh. They didn't have any when I went up there. Have you bought one yet? Because I think I Uh -uh. accidentally bought one from Midtown and one from Things from Another World. So if you want one of mine. I'll take one. You're more than welcome to have it. Did you anybody see the extra covers out in the wild? Rob Gilroy did one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no. I didn't see him either. Uh Uh-uh. All right. That was Chew, and uh, Image is back, baby. Image week. (laughs) 
And next up, we have Bliss out on Image Comic by Sean Lewis and Caitlin Yarsky. If you guys remember, we did an interview with Sean Lewis at the beginning of COVID. He previewed this book a little bit. And Caitlin Yarsky is still the same artist from Coyotes. So this team is back with a new image number one. Caitlin, tell us about Bliss. Okay. So three gods in Feral City need a personal hitman. A man in desperate circumstances agrees to the job, but only with the assurance that he won't remember any of it. That actually helped me even understand the comic book better reading it. That's how that's a little that's how that's how good that no I I mean it read okay but that's how good your description was oh thank you thank you it filled (laughs) it filled in it was the butter on my toast on my dry toast my pumpernickel rye was (laughs) was was, butter on my dry (laughs) toast my pumpernickel rye toast was fine but then I needed butter on it and it was (laughs) now it's there um yeah so this is a new world I'm Sean actually talked about in our interview how he writes up his descriptions and he will often say two different pieces of content to describe them and this one was breaking bad meets do we remember the other thing oh shoot i ha- yeah i need um, to look it up because i just looked at it before because i remember it. like reading it and being like that's exactly what oh, this neil is neil gaiman sandman <laughs> breaking bad meets neil gaiman sandman uh what did you guys think about this comic book i loved it you did yeah tell me about that one i guess story structure thing that i really like is when someone's in a present day situation and you're like building to a boiling point is used as something to give us backstory. And we've got our character who is the son of this criminal talking to a judge, kind of validating his father's crimes. We keep flashing back within that to the father's crimes and how he got into crime and how his son is validating those things. That was one interesting for me. Too. So there was just a handful of like classic storytelling things that were just like thrown into this weird sci-fi future. It also worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things that you were kind of hitting on is that we are understanding the rules of the world through storytelling, which I love. So it's like the courtroom, you look around and it's like disheveled and looks apocalyptic. And it looks like essentially you know, like a world overrun by opiates. And like you you are getting that and understanding it. And then when it's revealed that these like gods that you said, Caitlin, like it's there's no like setup where it's like, oh, there's also people that don't look like people. You just kind of like go into this room and it's like, oh, there's some elephant people or whatever they are, hippo people. <laughs> I don't yeah. really know. Uh, and they like sit in a pool together. Um, it kind of reminded me of like Minority Report, the... I don't know if you remember those like three mm-hmm. people that sat in the bathtub and told them all the crimes. The precogs? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> yes. And so it's like, it, that's just perfect storytelling is that like, you don't really understand how Bliss the drug destroyed the world, but you're getting it a little, like we're going to find out more next issue probably yeah. what, because Bliss right now doesn't seem too bad at face value, except for the way that Caitlin draws it. Uh, Yarsky, not Caitlin from our podcast. Uh, that like it's basically like she'll like have people's faces melt off and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> well, the... you lose your bad memories through your eyes. It's like a physical thing. Yeah, the like synopsis... your pain leaves your body like in a physical form. Yeah, the the synopsis gave away more than the first issue does, which I have said before I hate. But it says that they're actually sending it down the river Oblivion. 
And this book references Oblivion as the one thing his dad can fight off or take on, which is why he needs to validate his dad's crimes is because they still need him. They can't, like, execute him or send him off somewhere. So, like, on that trip, I guess, like, kind of like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, would you guys uh, take a drug to erase and forget some some things? No, but I haven't been through what these people have been through. I mean, they're living in a literal hellscape. Mm -hmm. When I was a teenager and I thought everything that happened to me was like the worst thing ever, (laughs) 100% would have done this. That's true. I think it takes perspective. Yeah, now I would have like completely regretted it and would say I'd never do something like that. There are some moments where when I think about them, I clench my butt and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. But you need that because you might be... I might do that again. Yeah, or you it could just change you as a person. Yeah. You may not end up in the same and place. And it doesn't do fix it thing. if I just forget about it. Right. right. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Like, he's standing there. That's what I loved about this book so much is that you the whole time you're kind of really connecting to his dad's story and his story and really rooting for him to succeed and feeling bad that he has to be put in such a position. And then at the very end... He has to turn around and face literally hundreds of people who have been, who have, who are probably surviving their loved ones that his dad has killed or wronged or something. And it's like, okay. Yeah. That's a little bit tougher to like try to justify that he was sick and then look at all these people. Yeah. I'm probably dumb for asking this. Is his dad dead and they're just trying him anyway? Or he's, he's just not there on trial. I think his dad was the guy who was jumping off the thing, and he pulled his dad out. So maybe his dad was trying to kill himself, kill himself, mm-hmm. or or do something that would have prevented his trial. Okay. So he pulls him out and then goes to trial to, and I guess yeah. And I don't know if the whole thing with like our sad memories leaking out of our faces and down a river is like metaphorical or yeah or anything, no but I mean. He's jumping into that river at the end, I think, is a symbol of, like, now I have to, on, like, take on everyone's pain to uh, pay for what I've done. Right. I could see so, that. I don't know. It's clever. Yeah. It did a lot in one comic book. Yeah. It it did a lot, and it also, like, I felt like barely did anything in a good way. Like, it kind of just, like give you a little bit of like a dip of a toe into something Mm -hmm. so like you could understand the world but it didn't do the like cliffhanger like it just is like this is the world we're building come back and check it out because it's this is what it is Mm -hmm. yeah it's just beautiful too it is i just really like the way she draws people she is amazing and she definitely it did feel like this was a steve aoki yeah totally on the front (laughs) You guys, Which, <laughs> he wrote a comic not that long ago, exactly. so I was like, "Is this a sequel to the Steve Aoki comic?" <laughs> Color me intrigued. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm hooked. I'm I'm excited. Image did great. Scout could learn from Image when they have two number ones. <laughs> Their quality, <laughs> but also I guess by pretty big authors. Um, listen, let's not so let's could- not. Uh, pretend that Scout is, you know, hiring Donny Gates or anyone like that. Scout's definitely the minor leagues of the comic book world. 
That's a good point. That's where you cut your teeth, and then you get on to Scott's places doing their like best with what they got. <laughs> yeah. So with things like murder hobo, <laughs> murder fucking hobo, man. Well, that was a week in comics. It was. What a week. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that came out this week. It felt felt good to get back into the rhythm of things. Oh yeah, more Empire, more Batman. <laughs> Have you guys been reading Batman? No. Straight up Batman. Yeah. Um, uh, are they in like the Joker War or whatever? Or? Yeah, Joker War just started the first issue. Yeah. Of of at least the Batman series that's part of it. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I'm stoked. That's, that's Tinian, right? Yeah. I read this. <laughs> Why did you go? No, I was like, it's exciting because James Tinian is like an incredible writer, and he's I mean, also, also writing Wind, which he came, is, which number two came out. Yeah, which, and it's um, so big. Why is it so large? Oh, because I know why. Okay, uh, tell us. Because <laughs> they, it's already written in trade form, and, oh, and they want to try to sell it in single issues because mm-hmm. Boom thinks that I think rightfully so that trades are like hurting the industry. Uh huh. And so they like cut it yeah. down into like you get a lot each month, just a new model. Yeah, yeah, I like so, it. But it was a lot. So and then I read that uh, Spider-Man thing. I still need to read it. This prelude. Sin Eater. Sin Eater. Yeah. Was Which, it issue forty-six? Oh, is it? Is that true? Because it's numbered as a number one. Oh, okay. So this is something different then. No, he's talking about the free com. Comic book week comic that came out, right? Mine's not free. Mine's like mine was like five ninety nine. Oh, okay. Oh, so you got screwed. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just fucking. No, with I know. You I, at I, this I, point. I know. But here, it's this thing. Sins rising prelude. Sins rising. That's the new event. So it looks like it's tying into the Amazing Spider Man. Yes. And that character, Sin Eater was a character that like semi died but didn't die in like 1984 and they actually put the panels in it in the comic book to show you that what happened i love when they show vintage comic panels and it's like a reveal of like hey you probably don't remember this character did you also know he like technically didn't die yeah so now we're bringing him back and i think to like it's it's obvious like even if you were a webhead, it, you wouldn't have been able to remember that, which is why they put it in there. But yeah. for me, it worked really well. It was right. cool. It felt like I never read Spider Man Noir, but it felt like what that would have been. The other but, thing I wanted to ask, sorry, and it goes back to Bliss, is it said it was a two arc series, but it's a one of eight. Does that mean that it's gonna oh. split and there will be two story? Like how does so? That I, work? But there'll be four. I didn't read that, but I what I ma- imagine is it's gonna be four and four. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the first arc will be four issues. All within one storyline, but it'll just be... Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, that's cool, though. That is an interesting way to do that. Usually, if you get a one of eight, it's just one story and eight issues. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like a lot of time. Even if if they would do an arc, they wouldn't necessarily tell you. Yeah. You know know what I mean? They'd just be like, oh, you'll figure it out. The world resets. concluded. Yeah. That was a finale. You're a smart kid. You'll figure it out. (laughs) So... That's like it's cool. It it's interesting though. I feel like this could be bigger than a one of eight. Like I, I feel like too. I feel like this could be an ongoing series. But we'll see how it goes. Well, that was an episode. There was a sode. Lots of news, lots of comics. Lots of Taylor Swift. Oh Bye. God. <laughs> Thank you.
This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.